0: Now go and, and go and do love you know ferv- faith towards you and fervent love towards one another. It is true refreshment.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. Matthew Garnett here. As always, be sure to check us out on the web at laymanstermsradio.org. Also, check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Layman's Terms Radio. Give us a like there. Send me a friend request. Matthew Garnett. Just jump on Facebook. Do a search for Matthew Garnett. Send me a friend request so you can follow all the action here at Layman's Terms. And, uh, yeah, so we've got our last part of the interview with Pastor Gavin Mize on the service of the sacrament. I hope you guys have been uh, appreciating these. I I certainly have just learned so much from them, and hopefully you have too. And I'm really hoping this will be good information for uh, you folks who are considering the Lutheran faith, especially. I mean, this is where I really found answers to just about all my questions concerning the Christian faith, uh, and this, this was a big one. You know, what is what does it mean to truly uh, worship God? What does worship look like, and how do we express that in, in a meaningful way uh, that's in unity with with the Church throughout history? And uh, hopefully that's what, what we've shown here. We've got one more segment to go. Uh, Getting to the really good part of it, uh, where the distribution of the, the Lord's Supper, the consecration of the elements, these sorts of things, and uh, that may seem weird to people that, uh, that we believe that Christ is uh, bodily present in our services each and every Sunday, uh, in with and under the, the bread and wine, uh, through the consecration, through the, His powerful Word, which uh, uh, does these things. That's really what we're going to talk about this week, and how, um, and how that works, and, and why it's meaningful. And uh, that sort of thing, and kind of hopefully bring it out of the uh, the uh, taboo or, or superstitious or kind of hocus pocus type of idea that I, in many years I had uh, the Lord's Supper uh, in that category, and becoming a Lutheran, learning about what the what the, the nature of the Lord's Supper, how God's Word works. There's there's just a ton of theology going on here, and it's incredibly meaningful, and it is something that the Lord instituted for us for our benefit. It's not a work we do. It's it's a gift. Uh, of the gospel to us from him And so that's what we're going to talk about this week But before we get there Just want to make a few uh, uh, Do a little house cleaning here Housekeeping items uh, First of all, I haven't mentioned Fred Ancho I think in a, in a while uh, At least in a couple weeks Just want to m- remind you to go to KenyanChristianArts.com Check out their wonderful artwork there Also make a donation if possible Also, don't forget that August uh, 11th and 12th is the Pirate Christian Radio Conference. And, I, and I, I'm I, not sure what... Uh, I know some of us are sticking around to, to go to church at Kansvinger, Pastor Roseborough's church. I'm not sure if he's extending that to everybody. But anyway, uh, the, the conference for sure is the 11th and the 12th of August. And I hope to see you there. I hope to meet some of you. i already talked to a few of you about it, that uh, you will indeed be there. Can't wait to meet you. That'll be a really good time. Um, if you want to, if you if you listen to uh, Pastor Roseborough's show... Uh, you probably already heard this, but if you don't regularly, uh, I was on there recently, last Friday, in fact, w- uh, in an interview with uh, with Stephen Kozar, who's actually also going to be at the conference. And I just kind of tell lay out my whole background there. So if you're planning on t- attending the conference or curious about more detail about my background, I try not to talk about myself too much. I'm not real big on testimonials and that sort of thing. I think they're problematic in a number of ways. But hopefully that might be something that would be helpful to some of you folks that are... Becoming disillusioned with with the evangelical world or an, another articulation of the faith, you know, you might you might be a Calvinist of some sort, and stuff's not making sense to you. Um, check that out, uh, you know, I, or you're a liberal, <laughs> or you're leaning liberal, and, and you think that might be uh, the, the answer to the, to the entire thing. Definitely go check that interview out. I really just lay out in detail, kind of, you know, my whole life and how I really came to be a be a Lutheran. You know, that didn't just happen by accident to be sure, uh, but it made it just made sense of the Christian faith to me, finally. Uh, I'm kind of thick-headed. Uh, like I say on that interview, I have a Ph.D. from the School of Hard Knocks. I have to learn everything the hard way, and that's one of the reasons why I do the podcast, aside from my own uh, continuing education. I do it uh, to, to warn you folks out there as well of the dangers and pitfalls, the hang ups the landmines of the, the religious landscape, especially in Christianity in North America. And I don't want you to get a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. That's not the way to go about it. There's really a much easier way to do it. Just learn from some of us who've made the mistakes and uh, and avoid those sorts of things. So that is there. Um, also, just want to announce some of them, some upcoming podcasts. We're going to kind of get back to the grind here. Uh, starting next week, we're going to be reviewing Rob Bell's book, his new book on what the Bible is all about. I can't. I think that's the name of the title anyway. Uh, really interesting stuff there. Some good stuff, and then some not so good stuff, and it mostly ends up being bad. It's just a rearticulation of of liberal emergent theology uh, applied to the Bible and how to read the Bible. And yes, the Bible's still useful. We use the Bible. These sorts of things. Uh, that's what Rob Bell really lays out in that book. Uh, but it, but at the end of the day, the, the Bible isn't necessary for him. It's it's a great source. I mean, for learning about God. Uh, but so so is every other source. Is really kind of the conclusion he comes to. You know, he, he asks the question at one point in the book: uh, "Is the Bible God's word?" And he says, "Of course, the Bible is God's word." But God's word can also be in art. It can be in music. It can be it can be anywhere. It can come from any faith tradition, I would assume. So, by that logic, the Quran is God's word. It's somebody's interaction in time and space with. The Divine, and that's really how he defines it. and he really emphasizes that we shouldn't skip over the Bible. we shouldn't just not read it, uh, but that it is just one source for God's voice, and we can find God's voice virtually anywhere. So um, he really emphasizes it as an important source of God's voice that we should that shouldn't be overlooked, that should be studied deeply, uh, but it's not the only source for God's voice. So that's just kind of one of the points he brings out. So we'll kind of get going on why that's bad and why that's a really bad way to look at the Bible and and, and really kind of the philosophical, the religio-philosophical uh, reasons why that's a really poor way to view Scripture and what the implications of all that are. So uh, Rob Bell is an incredibly intelligent man. He understands a lot of things that go into what it takes to study the scriptures, understand religion, understand people, human beings. He's a studied individual. He's very thoughtful. And he's laid this stuff out in a way that can be very, very convincing. And like I said, there's some good stuff in there. There really is. Not everything that that uh, liberal emergent church type guys do are bad. They point out some some really good things. They really work hard to uh, gain all the insights they can from Holy Scripture, and that can be helpful, and we'll point some of that out. Uh, but but at the end of the day, what I want to do is point out how approaching the Bible, Rob Bell's way, uh, is, is not going to create and sustain faith uh, for you. And in fact, it's going to be destructive to your faith, which makes it a dangerous teaching, unfortunately. So, uh, I wish... I sometimes wonder about guys like that if they would have had the Lutheran option, if they would have known about it because that's really kind of the direction I went. And I really, you know, if you go listen to that interview I did with Steve on 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 PCR last Friday, you know, I I really live out the things I believe uh to the extreme. And that's maybe not s- such a bad thing in some ways, but but when you have false beliefs and you live those out to an extreme, some really destructive things can come about. And so we're going to warn you about all that. We're going to go through Bell's book and, and you know, take it piece by piece and, and really just go through it and, and talk to you about what's wrong with it. Then also in The Hopper, we have a book that has come out recently by Dr. Willie Parker called Life's Work. And he makes a moral case for abortion. And this book was uh, chilling, to say the least, I wanted, I would, you know, use a euphemism and say it was. It was interesting, but it was utterly fascinating how this abortion doctor uh, takes really the principle of evangelical evangelism and says that's what they need to apply uh, to to abortion to quote unquote what he calls reproductive rights and use the tactics and strategies of really what is pop. American evangelicalism to further the cause, quote unquote, of abortion. It's it's really really fascinating. <laughs> so we're going to get into that as well. So that's what we kind of got in the hopper. There's kind of all the uh, housekeeping, house cleaning items we have going here. Let's get on with our interview. Last uh, installment of our interview with Pastor Gavin Mize on the Divine Service, and we're finishing up the service of the sacrament.
0: Here we go. Before we get there, I think we need to discuss the two texts that are in the Sanctus. We have, we have Isaiah six and Matthew twenty one that are brought together. The first part is from from Isaiah is regarding the the triple holy as a as a proclamation confession of the triune God. Okay, and then the second, we as we talked about, was from the entrance into Jerusalem. The the procession of Palm Sunday, when when the children cried out Hosanna joyously, because they believed that their salvation had come, and so that you know that we join our voices with that as well, because uh, our salvation has approached; it has come. Blessed is he, and he has come in our baptism. Blessed Mm -hmm. is he, the one who does come. You know, we go back to the to the prodigal son, the father who runs after. The son who has returned, the one, you know, he's the one running to us in the incarnation, in the ministry, in uh, the epiphany, in the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Then even when he comes to judge the living and the dead, you know, he's constantly running to us. And so, of course, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because he who comes in the name of the Lord not only carries the name of the Lord, but in this case is the Lord Mm. And is going to be the lamb led to a slaughter Because Moses himself came in the name of the Lord Uh, He even had to ask God Who should I say is Or by whom am I coming? And he says Yahweh ben Yahweh I am who I am I am that I am So there is Christ Once again humiliated and humbled Yet fulfilling prophecy Entering in on On the colt the fold of a donkey And people are crying up to him Hosanna, save us! And he does, and that is why he blessed is he who. So, so you know, it, it is it is baptismal because that is how we are saved. First Peter, baptism now saves you. Baptism, which corresponds to the flood, now saves you. So,
1: precisely why we cross ourselves at that point. Yes. So now, next comes the Lord's prayer.
0: Here we're given the words in which to speak. Christ gave us this prayer directly after he was asked (laughs) how how should we pray. He said, well, when you pray, pray like this, our father, which was huge, huge. I mean, we see the Pharisees saying we have Abraham as our father. And right here, Christ is telling his disciples, our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In that, it's it's not a, it's not a stop. It's not a, it's not a hiatus. It is the highest prayer uh, before the, before, we had the highest prayer right before the words of, of our Lord. It's, it's a, actually a rather beautiful thing. Hosanna in the highest, and then we pray into Him that we would be delivered from evil. And we cross ourselves again there for baptismal reasons, that we were delivered from evil through our baptisms. And we can see the entire Christian life right in those words you can even see uh, Christ's own words in the garden of Gethsemane thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven you know it was it was not for the father to pass a cup of wrath over his son mm. but to pour it on him
1: so it's a completely appropriate thing that exactly. after all this we we pray this prayer because this is what this is the prayer we've been commanded commanded maybe well, commanded yes authorized to pray so after all of this all of this we've been building up to through 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 the um the service of the word and now now coming through the service of the sacrament we've been given this gift of this prayer it's all of this scripture this this whole salvation history leading up to this point where Christ gives us this prayer where we're able to stand before God our Father's face and say give us these things so we we pray the Lord's prayer and then the minister begins the words of institution and this is right from from the scriptures
0: sure, well first of all they are given over to the pastors to speak St. Paul is very clear on this in First Corinthians eleven, even though we we see Christ doing it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But we see we, we see the words given over in First Corinthians. And in, in those words we have Christ himself. Now let's go through the whole let's go through the whole words and then we'll back it up. And I'll I'll speak them. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Okay. So let's go back. On the night in which he was betrayed, we have a we have a, a fixed time. As they were celebrating the Passover. And on that same night, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples to eat because it is his body given for him, given for us, given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And Lutherans have no problem with do this in remembrance of me. Or I should say should have no problem with do this in remembrance of me. Now, a lot of Lutherans will will kind of recoil at seeing just those words on an altar as well that maybe should because the sentiment there is usually that this is a remembrance meal and it is a remembrance meal insofar as we proclaim his death until the Lord comes again so we, we do remember but Lutherans can remember and be forgiven because it is his body and it is his blood um, we don't question that Christ says it is and we believe that it is so, when we're chanting the Lord's, uh, the word of institution, it always starts out high. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said. And then, here, at the actual words of Christ, many will bow their heads. Right. Show the show it in in reverence, and then during the during those words, the the tone will lower for the words of of Christ. Mm. And the reason for that is to set the words apart. We we often use higher words, excuse me, higher tones uh, in in honor of Christ. If you look at how the intro and in the psalmody in the intro is chanted. You'll notice the psalm, the, the the tones differently between celebratory seasons and penitential seasons. And the penitential seasons will always be low and there'll be flats in them. And so here we have lower tones because, uh, out of understanding and respect of the passion of Christ uh, and also out of what is actually happening, you know, that Christ is truly present in his body. He is actually there. Uh, when we when we say these words, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And, and I can't stress this enough, for pastors, do not rush the words of institution. These are not words that that we just need to get through so we can get to the distribution. And 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 it's not a and it's not a race. I, myself, pause in between the spaces between is. This is my body to further highlight what it is. And then after that, we have the elevation of the host. Luther was, was adamant that we should not get rid of the elevation of the host. In the German mass, he spells out that we should not abolish that. Uh, and that the people should should be, say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it is it's humbling, and it is a confession at the at the same time. And so after the elevation, the host is lowered onto the paten, and we genuflect a full genuflection to one knee out of recognition of who is there.
1: So let me pull this into the, the layman's perspective. So. At, Re- at Redeemer we have the kneelers and so this whole time we're kneeling and when the words of institution are spoken we we I bow low the pastor says this do in remembrance of me we we rise we cross ourselves and then we bow again now and the pastor's genuflect walk us through all of that what's going on here
0: it's the liturgical motion of in remembrance of me and that's truly what it is that that when when the pastors genuflect we are remembering what christ has done and that christ is present like i said this profession of the incarnation of passion and in particular that night in the upper room mm. when christ gave his body and and this it, this the, the the lord's supper isn't wasn't the preface merely the preface to come. Um it wasn't a it wasn't like a divine blinker single signal to let you know that he's about to turn towards his, his face towards Jerusalem or or that he's about to go to the cross. It is that, but it is not merely that. It is to say we remember that meal because it was a precursor to the crucifixion. Whereas we say it is the merits, uh it is a merit of of the crucifixion for the forgiveness of sins. I always make the, the the claim that you know the church really started when the when the spear went into the side of Christ and and the blood and, and water came forth. That 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 blood is the blood of Holy Communion, and that water is the water of of baptism, fundamental means of grace that the church is built around justification for the forgiveness of our sins.
1: Am I hastening too quickly to the next piece, which is the consecration of, of the wine, which is the Lord's blood.
0: No, I don't think you're, I don't think you're hastening too quickly there. I think, I think I mean, and obviously, naturally that's, that's where we go. Um, and we see the same tonality. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying. And also notice that flat. Right. And, uh, then, and br- then we bring all, us down.
1: Right. We all bow. Right. Exactly. That right. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And we all bow
0: low. Yeah. So we have that flat you know, to, to let people know that, that these words are the words of our Lord. And then we hear uh, the Lord say through pastor, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Right, and then we and rise. Then,
1: right, and we cr- cr- and you elevate the cup. We cross ourselves.
0: Yes, and the, and then the genuflection once again. Right. Now, now the the what I think is the most powerful moment is. No, I should say the most powerful one. The one that gets me is always the pause between the words, the elevation, and the genuflection because there's it's all liturgical movement and zero sound. Reverence. Yeah. Uh, that that respect of, of, of what is here. Uh, Christ, Christ is amongst us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's and done. That's done twice. And then yeah. right after that, the chalice and the host is lifted yeah. and you hear the the, the pox domini the peace of the lord be with you always now where is that from john 20 you know where you know where we're gonna where we're gonna go here when was the the pox domini spoken the pox domini was spoken after the resurrection The doors were locked. The disciples were afraid. And even though the doors were locked, and and John is specific about saying that, the doors were locked. (laughs) There's a reason that he said that, because the disciples were afraid. Jesus came and stood among them. Now, those words are not unimportant. They were together. They were fearful. The doors were locked. Christ came in the flesh, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Now, in those words, it's not merely 1960s Woodstock cliche. Rather, it's peace is with you, peace is amongst you. And so when the pastor says, says or sings this, the peace of the Lord be with you always, there is Christ standing in the midst of us saying, my peace is with you.
1: Not to get too far off and chase a rabbit trail, but... When Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. So, I'm a disciple. I'm an apostle who has just basically betrayed the Lord God of the universe. And he's been crucified. And now he's risen from the dead. And he appears before me. Um, What do I think actually is going to happen? Because the way I understand peace is... Is not this inner tranquility, this Eastern mystic idea of peace. The, the, the way I understand peace is the absence of war. So when Jesus comes like that and he says peace, what I interpret that as is I'm not going to destroy you. I am no longer at war with you, but I have declared peace upon you. I mean,
0: well, you, no, well, see, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, but, but we have to be careful not to put ourselves in in the in the shoes of, this, of the disciples, because I have no idea what they were doing. And each one of them, uh, though in other accounts we see that Christ had, you know, told them to give him food to eat so that they would not think he was a spirit, but. So I mean that's, that's an, somewhat of an inclination into, into what they were thinking, but what you're talking about regarding peace is correct. Peace being the absence of war. But I think I think that you're, what, what you're looking at as the war is incorrect. The fulfillment of Genesis three has just happened. Death has been oh. conquered. That war is won. Right. You know, the, the Satan's the, the serpent's head has been crushed. And the grave could not hold him. So we have sin, death, and the devil uh, there. And Christ is proclaiming that there is now peace. But, but where is that peace found? It's not, it's not something that's uh, subjective, and it's not something that is out in the ether somewhere, you know, that there's peace out there in the ether somewhere. Uh, but rather, it's found in the resurrection of Christ. It's found in the body of Christ. Uh, and St. Thomas learned that lesson pretty quickly. Yeah. When, you know, when he says, you know, touch the, you know, put your finger here. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then Thomas gives the great, the greatest confession, one of the greatest confessions. My Lord and my God. After seeing the collateral damage of the war.
1: Okay, so maybe,
0: maybe not collateral damage, the marks of war. Indeed.
1: So we go to the Agnes Day.
0: Pure confession. But what what's really neat about it, whose words they are that we're singing, I, I often teach that John the Baptist was is the finger of he is the one who points to 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 the Christ, even when they thought that he was uh, the Messiah. John the Baptist says, "No, there there is another coming," you know, and he calls them all to repentance. And then that next day, the very next day, Christ comes walking. Upon him in the crowd, and John the Baptist points to Jesus, points to Jesus, and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. Uh, this is of whom he said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. So we also have the Trinitarian understanding of the sacred person of the Trinity. He ranks before me because he was before me. And this is the same John the Baptist who leapt in the womb when, when Christ approached in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he was already overjoyed at, at, at the Lamb of God. And so that's what we do in the liturgy. We are vocally pointing to the pastor who is holding up the chalice and the host and saying, confessing, there is Christ who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer. Because we believe that he is truly present in in uh, the bread and the wine, in with and under the bread and the wine. And we join in with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, which includes St. John the Baptist, before Christ's own baptism, before he, sent, before he sanctified all waters to be a lavish washing away of sins
1: that's what we're confessing here is
0: yeah and and we're confessing it to one another as well I'm, I'm sure we could we could say it regarding ourselves and remind ourselves but we're also saying it to our brothers and sisters who are there uh, in 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 the in the, in the locked room uh, of Augustana uh, saying it sing it to ourselves behold brothers and sisters the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world uh, there, there's something beautiful about that uh, because it's it's not only a liturgical, Movement or or, or speech, but it's also you know that that intimacy, the intimacy that the father prepared the the meal when he sent his son, and through his son's passion, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, he has now prepared the sacramental meal for the family of Christ, for the sons and daughters of God, and for the bride of Christ Himself. And so, who are we to do anything other than to say grace before the meal? In confession, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, have mercy upon me, O Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, have mercy upon me, O Christ, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Grant us thy peace. Again, we see, go go right back to the crucifixion with three petitions. Two of having mercy on us, and then the third being the very words that Christ spoke in the locked room with the disciples grant us thy peace and then we follow it with amen Mm. because Mm. this is true which is not unimportant as well and
1: and then we get to come to the altar and we sing hymns during this and so on and so forth maybe just walk us through that peace
0: Let's start with the the words that, that the pastor speaks to each receiver. Mm. This, is in, this is important, I believe. I, I do not like—well, I, I should say I, I, I find it to be a lesser form if you say that take, eat, this is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given unto death for you as you're communing six different people. It needs to be the confession to each person. So if you're going to choose that, it needs to be the whole thing for that person. Um, otherwise the true body of Christ given for you, Susie, the true body of Christ. Now I'm not saying you should say their name, but you know, you are saying it to them, you're holding the, the host in front of their faces saying this, you know, this is the true body and placing it on their tongue or in their hand for every single person. Some make the sign of the cross with with, with the host, which of course is is, is a great practice. Uh, but I, I do I do think that it needs to be spoken directly to each person, as well with the chalice. A practice that I do, which um, some may disagree with, is for the little children. I hold the patent and kneel down and ask them, "Who and what is this?" And they answer. Jesus' body, mm. and I answer them, Amen. I do the same thing with, with, with the chalice, as, as, well as, as well as a blessing, of course. Mm. And you know, We also get to sing Eucharistic hymns, or, or hymns of the season, or what have you, uh, but really the, the centrality of everything is right there in the feeding of mm. the people. Mm. Who, is, who is being fed, and whom they are feeding, is the centrality of, of, of the whole thing. Of the whole liturgical movement I mean.
1: Right. So so when we're um, when we're kneeling for this, you distribute the body and you say the the body of Christ and, and we cross ourselves and, and we say Amen. So we're we're agreeing that this is the Lord's body. Same thing with the blood. That's that's precisely what's going what's what's going on there. So um, it becomes a little more centralized, I guess. I, I, in, uh, uh, individual individualistic may not be the proper. Well,
0: well, well. It is it is individual. I mean, it is. It's 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 you know, we we are we are breaking the bread together, and also one person is is eating to, together. So. I mean, yeah, there is there is something to be said for that as well, uh, right. because each person says "Amen" to your to your call. They respond, "Amen." This is this is true. Uh, yes, this I believe.
1: Okay, so once that's over, what's the next movement in in the
0: liturgy? We die. We move right into the Nunc dominus, Okay. Uh, the 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 song of of Simeon which I find this to be one of the most beautiful parts of the liturgy. And, and of course, that's, that's personal preference there. But in the case of St. Simeon, he was told that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. Well, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, gave him over to St. Simeon, blesses him. And then he says, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace Uh, according to your word to thy word in other words let me leave this life because you promised me that i would see your christ uh, and and my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all the people and, and, we, and we need to highlight that all the people when we look at in the Greek of, of, uh, ethne, uh, it doesn't just mean nations. It also means more so Gentile. And so then we move into a light unto the Gentile, uh, and the glory of thy people Israel. Yes. And then once again, we have the glory of Patri where, where we bow our heads, giving thanks for God's Messiah. So, I mean, it's just beautiful. You know, it we is. we 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 publicly confess that we're ready to die because we have seen and we have eaten, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and uh, we are at peace. Right. What better right. T- what better time to uh, shuffle off this mortal coil than ha- than than having eaten and drink the body yeah. and blood of God?
1: You really zeroed in on it. I think their pastor that to say. Um, let us depart in peace, and if we walk out of this parking lot and a bus runs us over, good enough. Um, or, or,
0: better, or better yet, that Christ comes to to judge the the living and the dead. Right.
1: <laughs> oh, all oh, right. Oh, right. We walk out of this. Yeah, exactly. And right, he comes on. Yeah.
0: Beautiful and, stuff. I mean, it really is. And, ah, and it is. Uh, it's. You know, it's. We. We. It's not unimportant. And we say it and sing it every Sunday, when we know the liturgy, when we know Scripture, and right. the Scripture used in the liturgy, it's never repetitive. It's always new, because we're always in need of renewal.
1: Well, and let me let me say that on the side. I mean, I had the advantage of being new to all this stuff, and so it's it's nostalgic to me, and and. I have always been attracted to ancient practices. I have. Whether when I was an uh, an evangelical pastor or a liberal or whatever, I've been attracted to these things. What I'm I'm hoping to accomplish, at least in part, with us discussing this, is that those, quote, cradle Lutherans will gain a new appreciation for what they... Uh, this is the wrong word. What they experience every Sunday.
0: Well, I mean, let's not worry about that word too much. Um, when okay. you start calling your worship a worship experience, then we got a problem. But right. I mean, we're also we are also still in this world, and yeah. uh, and 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 it we do it. I mean, how how do you do? How do you do anything in the remembrance of Jesus without experiencing? But it's not the experience that gives us, that, that, that gives any merit to what the Lord's Supper is so give yourself a break there
1: <laughs> okay well and I mean the thing is um, what, what what concerns me in some cases is well in some cases many cases is that Lutherans um, don't appreciate all, you know all this stuff we've been talking about and And what I'm hoping I'm so hoping, and my prayers have been that lutherans would would re- renew their appreciation for the tradition that has been passed down to them
0: right um, and I think that's a that's a great prayer and I think it's an honorable thing that 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 you're that you're doing here um, however i I think that true unappreciation um, doesn't really come now because we can be refreshed and we can be reminded, but true unappreciation is when you start dismantling the liturgy, right? Um, when you start taking things out and placing uh, your own words in, right? Uh, the, the confession of sins that when you write your own confession of sins or you write your own creed, um, I've I've never I've never seen a person write a confession of sin and overstate their, it's always, it's always the, the lesser, you know, well, we've offended some people, I guess, and we're sorry about that. You know, it's, it's, it's never, it's never beaten by, I, a poor, miserable sinner. And when you start dismantling that, or you do away with it altogether, have a baptism bash or a UFC fight, uh, in your, uh, parking lot or, or, or what these gimmicks start happening then you just abandon it altogether and right. that's the true problem
1: so we, we sing the nuke de Minus menace um, mm-hmm. and then at Redeemer traditionally we all kneel and it is sung or said oh, oh give thanks to the Lord and we respond and his mercy endureth forever I'll just let you take that away. I mean, surely, like you said in the last episode, there's nothing inconsequential in the liturgy. Um, what, what, how is this building on where we've already been?
0: Well, it's a response to what has just happened in, in the forgiveness of the sins in, in the eating and of, of Christ's body and drinking of His blood. Uh, when we say, "Give thanks unto the Lord for He is good." And then the response is, "It has mercy endures for endures forever," which is from Psalm one hundred seven. One hundred seven. We are saying that that God has been merciful unto us through His Son and through the breaking of bread uh, and the giving of the gifts to uh, to His people, to those whom He loves. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is out of His goodness that He is merciful. And out of his mercy, we see that he is good.
1: Right. And and then, and then um, there's a prayer generally there. Comment on the significance of that prayer?
0: The LSB gives two different options. And the the, the one that, that we always say is we, uh, we give thanks to you, almighty God, that you refreshed us through this salutary gift. I implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us in the, in the same as faith towards you and a fervent love towards one another through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. Um, and not to rush through that, but uh, it is a prayer of thanksgiving. I mean, now the words are right there. So sometimes I feel like I'm just explaining the words that are there already, Uh that we have been refreshed, right. that we've been renewed. Now now go and and. Go and do love, you know, faith towards you and fervent love towards one another. It is true refreshment. Yeah. Um, can,
1: can, can I, can, let me just break in here, Pastor, because since becoming a Lutheran and understanding these things and understanding the sacrament, that whole notion of refreshment that this week I'm going to go out and be even a better husband. To Jen my wife And be a better a better father To Isaac and Amelia my children That so hits home to me Coming from the Evangelical world where you, where you Got the five tips of how to be a better husband How to be a better Father that just so Completely falls short Of what All this is culminating to That idea of refreshment Yeah it, it just doesn't Compare and and existentially it doesn't compare i mean ask ask my wife jen if i've been if 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 i've been a better husband since we've become lutherans or not and she, <laughs> there will be no question there um i i, I don't know maybe maybe i'm just too, again um i'm new to this
0: um, well, fervent love towards one another means fervent love towards one another, right? Um, uh, but it's it's also the recognition of the sins forgiven, uh, previous. I, under, I understand what you're saying, um, right? Though it's it's not the goal; it's it, it, it's the byproduct, right? Um, you know, the, the purpose is uh, the forgiveness of sins. The work that the good works that you do for your neighbor, for your wife, for your uh, children, uh, flows from God, anyway. Sure. Um, So, sure. I mean, what? I mean.
1: Well, 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 yeah. I mean, again, that's the thing is when I, when my family and I have experienced the refreshment of. Uh, the, the the service of the word, the service of the sacrament, it just it just makes these things flow in, 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 in ways that we haven't quite experienced and and maybe I'm just not articulating it properly. Uh, but but the idea of being refreshed to say that okay, to to go and um, obey the commands of Holy Scripture, in your vocation and go forth and do so and come back next week and we'll fill you up again <laughs> I, I mean is that is that's is that a terrible way to put it i don't know
0: let's let's look at it in in this light virgil uh, once said on all sides around me horror spread spreads wide the very silence beneath the terror that is on my soul that being removed is the refreshment. You know, when 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 Saint Jerome desired his his last to receive the, the sacrament for the time, he quoted Virgil in saying that. You know, before before he died, Saint Jerome knew the the terrors of, of, of hell and and he feared uh, for his own for his own soul. Um, yet, in that last communion you see that what you see what Virgil was saying be taken away uh, and th- there is your, your refreshment. It's a quite the, the eloquent summation of hell that, that on, on all, all sides of me uh, horror is spread wide because of the, um, a very silent breath on the terror of my own soul. Having that re- taken off your soul, is true refreshment. Right. And then and then from there, you know, you take up your mat and you go. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about taking up of the mat and going.
1: So, we return to this familiar um the Lord be with you and with thy spirit and then we get the ironic
0: benediction. Yes. The ironic benediction. Uh let's take a look at that. In Numbers 6 And this is the law Of the Nazarite When the time of his separation had been completed He shall be brought to the entrance Of the tent of meeting And he shall bring his gift to the Lord One male lamb uh, A year old without blemish for a burnt offering uh, And one ewe lamb A year old without blemish as a sin offering And one ram without blemish as a sin offering A basket of unleavened bread Loaves Of fine flour mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, uh, and their grain offering and their drink offerings. And the priest shall bring them before the Lord and offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. And he shall offer the ram as a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord. uh, With the basket of unleavened bread, Uh, the the priest shall offer its grain offering and drink offering. Okay, so what does that sound like? All Old Testament sacrifices were foreshadowing of Christ's final sacrifice. You know, the, the, the sins of the Israelites were forgiven by the shedding of blood, just the way that Adam and Eve were was covered in the shedding of blood uh, of the animal to cover their, their nakedness. And so we have this where where the Lord, where God is commanding them to bring in their unblemished animals, three animals to be offered up as sin offerings, as well as grain offerings and unleavened bread. Uh, this is the law of the Nazarite, but if he vows and offering to the Lord above his Nazarite vow, he can, uh, as he can afford. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord let up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Notice that it is the Lord giving the word to Moses to speak to Aaron. And so the, the Aaronic benediction is not, is not Aaron's benediction, but the benediction given to Aaron to give to the people. Now that right there we have the pastor Standing In the place of Aaron Blessing the people with the words Given by the Lord himself And we see the countenance Said basically three times Bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you which is the countenance And be gracious to you Uh, The Lord lit up his countenance upon you And give you his peace That countenance is is the the turning of favor uh, Where the face shines upon those in whom they are and those in whom are being blessed and then this next part which is not in the liturgy but is not unimportant so shall they put my name on the people of israel and i will bless them now the name of god throughout all of scripture in fact it was the very thing that condemned christ uh is the name the name of god and that's why, and I mean, and how do we baptize in the wow. name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. And so, in that in that blessing, we are reminded of the name of God being placed upon the people, and um, that they would be kept secure a- until they return into the holy of holies, that mm-hmm. is, the house of God. In the in the LCMS, in particular, uh, there seems to be a Line marked in the sand. Um, you have the liturgical folks, and you have the non-liturgical folks. You have camps that that you can get into. That is, if 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 the line in the sand is the liturgy, then we have a real problem because all of us should agree in concord on that that the liturgy is God's word. And so we aren't to mess with that But to gladly confess it Of all the things that divide us The liturgy should not be that thing Because what we have in the in the liturgy Is a true gift It's not something to Play with and piece apart But rather to be studied And to be cared for And to be loved Because in it we're given all that we need for the sake of it being God's word itself Mm. delivered unto the people. And that every time I put on my stole and my chasuble, I'm going to speak these words and these people are going to respond not to me, but to the Lord and giver of life, Mm. the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. They are repeating his words back to him. And they are a fragrant offering uh, to him. If, if we think of the liturgy as nothing more than a fragrant offering before God, that would be enough. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more because the offering of God is given unto us that we would have the forgiveness of sins.
1: So there it is. The Divine Service walked through very meticulously, step-by-step. Step. And I, I kind of brought up the things that were important to me or I found meaningful and that sort of thing. And if, and if you have more questions about it, shoot me an email. Shoot Pastor Mize an email and and ask him some of those questions. But we really thank Pastor Mize for his time. Obviously, spent a ton of time, two interviews. Most of those take—not everything makes it in there. Uh, we usually I usually spend a couple hours interviewing people. Uh, You know, Per shot So he spent a good Four or five hours with me If not more Just chit-chatting And that sort of thing So we're really appreciative To to Pastor Mize For his help on this And we hope it was helpful To you as well Okay Uh, Thanks to all of our sponsors You can check them out At laymanstermsradio.com There's links to all of our sponsors there All of our music, artwork Everything we use here To make the podcast possible Please check them out There at our website And we'll see you next week
0: Hey preacher man me the gospel. It brings salvation to those who believe. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel. Tell me I'm a sinner and Christ died for me. I don't want to know about what you did last week on your summer vacation. What you saw, where you went, or how much it cost. Instead, what Tell me all the words that give me salvation, how he lived and how he died for me on the cross. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel, give me the good news of God's only son. Hey, preacher man, give me the gospel, give me the